0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Voices of Amnesty podcast.
1: I'm Nana And I'm Ariana. Let's talk about mental health. A warning to all viewers. The following podcast contains disturbing themes such as anxiety, eating disorders, depression, suicide, bullying and harassment. If you want to avoid this content, please check out our previous podcasts or keep an eye out for upcoming ones. We hope this podcast gives you a greater understanding on youth mental health.
0: So before we get into the discussion,
1: we need to knock out
0: a definition of mental health. So according to the World Health Organization, the definition of mental health is a state of well-being in which every individual realises their own potential, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to their community.
1: We're going to be talking about, in this podcast, youth mental health specifically. Um, And we've defined youth as people between the ages of 12 and 24, because we think that's the time period where brains are still developing. And also, we can give our perspective as members of youth on how mental health has been experienced by us.
0: So are there any important facts or interesting facts about youth mental health?
1: Yeah. So around 14% of children aged 12 to 17 meet the clinical criteria for one or more mental disorders in the previous 12 months. Um, Most of these being anxiety disorders. So it also varies among gender. Young males were more likely than young females to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Um, While young females were more likely than young males to have anxiety or a major depressive disorder. And this is according to a couple of surveys that were taken recently.
0: I feel like we are getting more data on mental health recently, aren't we? It's it's a good thing. I think I heard you mention ADHD. It would be interesting to know more about that. Do you have any more facts on that? I don't feel like we hear
1: about it a a lot. Yeah, I did a little bit of research into ADHD because I realized that I didn't actually know very much about it, but I do think it's a word that's thrown around a lot, and I'm going to go into some of what I found because I think it was new information to me, and it means that I'll use the word a lot more carefully and make sure everyone else does too. So ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and it's a neurodeveloped developmental disorder, which means that it affects a number of areas of brain function. And it's generally caused by a difference in neurophysiology, meaning a difference in brain activity in anatomy or genetics. Um, Generally, some of the symptoms include difficulty concentrating, remembering instructions, impulsive behavior, overactivity, and trouble sleeping.
0: Well, that's really interesting. I feel, yeah. You know, that's really interesting. It kind of reminds me one time I was in English class, right? And then my teacher was like talking about something random and he mentioned how how like many people think that like ADHD is more common in boys and men. But that's actually because of gaps in diagnosis. And so there's actually pretty similar rates across gender. And that was really interesting to me because, you know, I was always kind of aware that there would be differences in like different communities because of like in development of mental illnesses. But it got me to thinking about medical professionals and like how there could be gaps in diagnosis as well, which was really interesting.
1: And yeah, especially in gender effect. I think, yes, but that also gets you to think about how in the media it's generally portrayed that females have eating disorders over males. And what that means is Males are just as likely to develop an eating disorder, but if they do, they're a lot less likely to get treatment and get diagnosed because society doesn't expect that.
0: You know, I hear like so much stuff from even like my friends and things about how like even their own parents make comments about their bodies and about how they look and how that can really, really feed into the development of like mental health issues. And yeah, it really it really got me to thinking about how family and school play such a huge role in developing that societal stigma that you were talking about earlier. And just not just in eating disorders, but just in mental health issues in general and how we really could work on improving that. So in youth, in this like formative time, we don't get all of those external influences messing up our own thoughts. Cool.
1: Yeah, because in this sort of age group, our brains are still growing. Right. And we're a lot more dependent on school and on parents. And we spend a lot of time around them. So if they're giving us a very, a bad influence or they're invalidating some of our feelings, then it greatly worsens our mental health and makes it a lot harder for the youth as a whole to seek treatment.
0: I agree completely. And like, And ideally, you have to think that school would play a sort of a saviour role in that situation if there was an issue with family. But oftentimes that's just not true, is it? Like from our own experiences, I think we could both say, though, we do definitely touch on mental health issues in school more than I'm sure we ever did in the past. There's still like there's still a huge gap in there, I think. And that's going to that's going to be a really
1: big issue. Especially. Yeah, I agree. Schools are doing a lot better of a job than they used to, but I think there's a lot of understanding and kind of the teachers in schools need to be a lot more wet and a lot more accommodating to mental health than they are right now.
0: Yeah, I completely agree, especially, like, with our like personal development teachers and health teachers, the people taking this content, I feel like we never really go into much depth in mental health issues in sense of symptoms of, especially even common ones like um, depression or anxiety, things that we do define and hear about. We don't really go into the, I suppose, less glamorized symptoms, how to recognize them, and especially how they may be things that are going on with people within our school community and our friends and how to support them. Because it's not not everyone falls under one like category when um, not everyone falls under one category when you have a mental illness and ex- teaching people that there's only like like a defined set of things. And to just look for those things is kind of it's very yeah, it goes completely against the point of what they're trying to do. And it's not a great
1: thing. Yeah, and it also means that a lot of kids feel like you feel like that their symptoms aren't valid or that school is just kind of skirting around what's going on. Another issue that I kind of have seen is that sometimes students do reach out to teachers and they do tell entrusted teachers that I'm not doing so well right now, or I'm under a lot of stress, but then sometimes their privacy isn't respected and other people get notified about it. And I think that means that they're not very likely again to go tell someone or seek the help that they need and should get because they're scared it's going to happen again.
0: I completely agree. It's about that, like creating that safe space and violation of that, like within the home and then outside of the home in school. I completely agree with you. It's just It's a really bad thing and completely counterproductive.
1: Yeah, so that reminds me. I was reading there's been a large increase over the past six years in the number of young people experiencing psychological distress. So from 18.7% in 2012 to 24.2% in 2018. And this is a really huge increase. And even though these stats are just from Australia, the results globally have been following pretty much the same trend it's pretty
0: horrible isn't it to like hear stuff like that we have our own experiences at like school and within our friends and stuff but to hear a statistic like that really yeah gives you a good idea of what it's like all around the world I feel like that like at least a decent amount of that has to at least in part related to school I know that like my own experiences with anxiety and stress and things like that really do have a lot to do with deadlines and the whole sort of structure of school it's not very conducive to people with
1: mental health issues is it like it's not it's not well structured in terms of that what do you think about that yeah I think I agree the general structure is stressful for pretty much everyone and if you already have a pre-existing mental health condition then it makes it even worse for you And I also found that more than 40% of year 12 students report symptoms of anxiety and depression, which is higher than the normal range for their age group by a lot, which I think that comes down mainly to the HSC, which is adding a whole lot of extra stress.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like we're, I don't like. Neither of us are at that stage yet, but like I can only imagine that it must be like really, really stressful because it's the culmination of your school career. And with the kind of sort of pressure and expectation that gets put on that, like you were saying before, it's really not good. <laughs> it's really not good for people who do have pre-existing mental health issues. And I feel like school also has to be, I think, a big factor in like creating mental health issues It's really not, yeah, it's really not the best thing.
1: and Yeah, it's really not good. And I'm terrified for the HSE because I'm stressed now and I can only imagine what it's going to be like when I go through that. But I think school and stress is having a lot larger of an impact on mental health negatively than we'd like.
0: I completely agree and I think that like not even just the stress but in a social sense as well the expectations that are put on you for school are really you know they're quite a lot right because you have all the things about friendship and you have you know it's it's a lot and even in like not just for people with anxiety but for people with depression people with ADHD, the sort of culture that's developed in schools around mental illness is also quite toxic
1: at times, I believe. I think you're right about the culture um that sometimes if a student tells their peers or the rest of the cohort that they have a mental illness, that they'd be defined purely on that. And also, I think judgment plays a big part as well. Yeah, I agree. And I also, I also think it's being made a little bit worse by the whole COVID situation and the fact that we are in lockdown now, especially because isolation and you can't really see any of your friends or your peers anymore and go to school, which was, at least for me, it was, I don't know what the word is, so give me a second. It was kind of like a routine. And... Now there's a lot less structure in at least my life, which makes it messier for me. What about you? I like, I completely agree. And I do definitely see
0: where you're coming from. Like, a lot of like the people, like our, my friends and stuff are talking about how much they miss school and like just the general interaction. I completely agree with you about the routine. It's really comforting to have something like that to rely on. And not having that kind of throws me like, you know, out of place. But I also feel like, sorry, um, for me personally, it's it's been an interesting thing because I find school kind of stressful because of the social aspect at times and like my own issues with certain like um my own challenges with like perhaps anxiety and things like that, have made school an interesting experience, I suppose. So when lockdown came, as horrible as it sounded, I was also kind of like okay at least that pressures off me but now perhaps like five weeks into a lockdown I'm sitting here and I'm going I really do miss school and I really do miss my friends and I miss that environment and it's an interesting thing I suppose because I feel oftentimes I think about how I would be happy if I lived in a cube and completely isolated from everyone but I had an internet connection but this has been an interesting experience in the sense that it has amplified some of my other issues with, um, uh, some perhaps issues with stress, but also has put some perspective into my life about what I appreciate from social interaction. So I think that's one thing to do with lockdown.
1: Yeah. And I think technology's made it a lot easier. Like I FaceTime my friends, um, and I talked to them on the phone, so I still do have that sort of interaction. And I can, I don't see them in the flesh, but I can still see them. And I think that helped a lot in the sense that if that wasn't there, I would have felt a lot lonelier and a lot more isolated very quickly. And I don't think that would have been good. I got, completely- I, Agree with you about the stress thing. At least for my school, it's been, it's been a lot less stressful and the teachers have been pretty accommodating, at least most of them, to the lockdown and to making sure that no one's under any more stress than they need to be. Exactly. It's an, it's an interesting contrast between going
0: to school and, um, lockdown school in how it affects our mental health and You know, we can just hope that when we get out of this lockdown, things will be moving toward a better state for all of us. This was our episode on youth Mental Health. And next week, we'll also have an episode on mental health. So remember to tune in and check that out, too. Follow our podcast here on Spotify, Voices of Amnesty, of course, and also follow our Instagram, which is also Voices of Amnesty. Thank you.